Welcome to Here We Are, the podcast where we talk about curiosity, fascination, and what makes us all delightfully nerdy. I'm your host for the alwayses, Joy Bork. Okay, so last week we heard from my friend Ted about bread, and it really makes me happy that that rhymes. And so today I have the honor of introducing you to the other half of the famous Harrow duo, Gretchen. I am loving the friendship that's growing between the Harrows and me, including a spur-of-the-moment invite to watch Premier League soccer and eat bread, because obviously, what else would you do on a Sunday afternoon? There is something absolutely lovely about both Ted and Gretchen and how they show up in the world. One of the things I have loved about getting to know them is just feeling immediately at home with them. And so I want to bring a little piece of that forward to you. So without further ado, here's my friend Gretchen to share with all of us about the oh help moment that we all experience in life. My name is Gretchen Harrow. I am a marriage therapist. I've been a marriage therapist for over 25 years. And I love helping couples figure out why they get stuck in these recurring arguments so many couples get into this argument and they're like, wow, this happened again. Here we are again. I have no idea how we got here. And I really don't know how to get out of this. I just know it stinks being here or it stinks a lot. And I want this to change. Please help. Maybe That's it's the, fantastic. Maybe it's the old help moment. You know? The oh help. Is that what you want to talk about today? The oh help moment? Yeah. Let's talk about the oh help moment. Okay. So there's the lead into the oh help. And then there's that. How do we repair from the oh help? Okay. Can you lay out like a hypothetical scenario that we can run and you can talk us through what's actually happening in these moments? Sure. So there's one that my husband Ted and I refer to that is from a few years ago where we're having a conversation with our son and parenting is the one place where we tend to get sideways with each other the most. And so that's what happened. And there's like thinking about it later to like really understand what happened. Mm -hmm. So they're in a conversation and I realized I was getting worried about how this conversation might go. Mm. And so I jumped in in a way that was not helpful. And so mm. Ted got this sense like his oh no moment was we're not on the same page anymore. Like I was jumping in wanting to protect their relationship, protect my son. But my husband had the sense of, oh, no, we're not on the same page anymore. Mm. And I felt it in my body in that moment. But of course, it's happening real time in front of our son, who is a teenager at that point. And it just played out into this kind of mild sense of me wondering and kind of scanning, or is he still frustrated with me? Is he still upset with me? So there's this scanning that happens in relationships. And it, it can be husband-wife, it can be roommates, it can be best friends, it could be parent-child, where we as humans are scanning to see am i safe with you are mm. you with me or are you not with me am i safe and secure or am i at risk in some way of you not being there for me the way i need you to be there for me and so we had this little break ted and i and i've learned that i can't like go immediately after him mm. as much as i want to so when, when we feel this break there are basically one of two reactions that humans have where either we feel the upset, the break in the relationship, it can be big or small, 
And some of us move toward the other person. We call that pursuing. So, and I'm typically one who pursues more often than withdraws. So I'm usually the one to say, hey, sorry, are we okay? Are you upset with me? I'm feeling something here. But I've learned with my husband that I have to like suppress my inner pursuer sometimes because he's not a pursuer. He, he has the other pattern. He is one who is more likely to pull back when there's been a break and like assess, wait for things to calm down a little bit. But I've learned I can't just run after him because he's not ready yet because he's still like upset with me and frustrated. And so I have to wait. And then I'm just scanning like, Review okay, how we doing until I get the sense that he's ready to have that conversation again. Oh, this is so fascinating. I'm really excited about this. Okay. So I I don't know if many of my listeners are aware of what the Enneagram is, but oh. I I resonate so much with what you are saying oh. as an Enneagram six because oh. I am consistently like you use that word scanning. And all of my insides were like, oh, no, you saw me. Oh, what's happening? <laughs> By the way, and not in a bad way. Yeah, like, yeah. That calls out something of how I see the world consistently. Uh, and so there's, this is a selfish bent, but there's part of it where I'm like, can you tell me more about where does that scanning come from? When is it healthy awareness? And when is it being prickly? Or like, what's a healthy spectrum for that to be in? Yeah, so that's a great question. I, I, think, I think the scanning is normal and human. Like whenever we're with a person or even when we're by ourselves, when we're in a group, we're looking for who are my people? Where do I belong? I think that's a normal human behavior because we're social creatures. Mm. The therapist words are, we are bonding mammals. It's how we are wired. We are wired to connect to other people. So I think the scanning is normal. I think the, like the spectrum of healthy to less healthy comes in, what do we do with the results of our scan? Mm. So like as one who pursues more than withdraws most of the time, I can ask you, hey, Joy, I saw that look on your face. Did something that I say bother you? Or I can be like, Joy, you're not answering me. Joy, are we okay? I need to hear from you, right? Right. The response, I think, is where the helpful or unhelpful behavior comes in. That's so interesting. I'm going to keep going on a selfish bent because this is really yeah, fun. Um, I have said flippantly for many years of my life, like, I'm gathering data on everything that is going on around me. And the lens I have seen it through is the lens of who is out to get me? What do I need to do to protect myself? Oh, sure. And that's, I feel like that's the other side of the coin from what I'm hearing you say of being able to say in the moment, like, hold up, wait a minute. Something just happened. Mm -hmm. Like what's the gap in between those two? It feels like they're extremes. Well, one is a personal relationship. Like I am interacting with you and I saw something in your face or heard a change in your tone or saw you turn away from me. And that's going to make me say, oh, did I hurt you? Did I say something that offended you or bothered you? So there's that interpersonal piece. But then there's this other piece of the world can be very dangerous. And so whether it's you or, or anybody who has learned the world is dangerous, right? Yeah. 
it makes sense that you're functioning from a place of, are you going to hurt me and do I need to protect myself from you? So that's more like a global belief of how does the world work? Hmm. Where maybe someone who's not had experiences of danger might come into a room of strangers more optimistic and be like, who, who am I going to meet today? Who's going to be my friend? Right. Right. So what I'm hearing you say with that interpersonal piece, there are some skills behind that, that I'm not sure are taught. No, very often. Like what kind of skills do you need to be able to be with people in that moment and actually be able to have that awareness to say, hold up, something just happened. What's going on? Yeah. I, I think the practice that's helped me most personally and in that awareness is mindfulness. It's Mm. doing the mindfulness training, you know, whatever your favorite app is or teacher of mindfulness to do the training regularly so that in the moment when you need it, you can become more aware of what's happening inside me personally. I think it takes like a real physical, personal settledness and openness that then in conversation, I am tuned into my own body as I'm tuning into you. So there are these things called mirror neurons. And so if if I'm in a relaxed state and feel safe enough to be in conversation with you, as we're interacting, if you turn away from me, I'm going to feel that in my own body. And I tend to feel like in my stomach of like, or like a taking a breath, like something just happened. Hmm. I feel it first in my embodied self before I have the thought about it. And then the thought comes out. Hmm. So like the skill is mindfulness for me or prayer or meditation, whatever it is to help me become aware of myself so that I could tune into somebody else. Cause when we're not tuned into ourselves. I, I think of them as being very disconnected from their bodies mm. so they can think about, I like this. I don't like this. I feel nervous in these situations. I don't, but they're not making the connection with their bodies. So sometimes when there's a stress reaction, like there's a heat flush that comes up, they don't say, Oh, my face, I can feel the heat coming up. I'm feeling anxious right here. Take a breath. You're mm. safe. There's no tiger in the room. Right. Or to say I'm anxious because I don't know what Joy, Joy is thinking. She's just nodding at me with her hand on her fin- on her lips. And it's like, are we, does she think I'm weird? Does, I, if I'm worried and in my head, I, I just start reacting in those negative ways we talked about. Right. But if I'm settled and I feel that flush, I can say, okay, that just happened. Notice it. Now what do I want to do with that? Do I just need to take a breath and say, I'm perfectly safe. Joy is this lovely person. We're having a conversation. And I can relax and let it go. Or I can ask a question. I love what you're talking about because you have options in that moment. Yes. So much of of what I experienced up until most recently, I didn't know how to tune into my body at all. And, And so looking back, I'm realizing that I have actually lived with anxiety most of my life. And I've probably been pretty depressed most of my life but I didn't know how to tune into my body to understand the messages it was trying to tell me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like that switch over to, I want to engage in mindfulness 
is actually terrifying. What is happening in like, as we become more aware, how does that change? Like, is there a physical change? Is there a mental change? Is there? Yeah. So one part of it is the mindfulness helps us name it. This flesh I feel is the stress of maybe I, I don't want to get the wrong answer. And so if I can name that, like notice it, and then the mindfulness helps us release it. There are a lot of different images that the, the experts use on how to let those thoughts go. I think about, you know, like old buildings that have transom windows over doors. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that flip out, right? The ones that flip out for airflow, like in classrooms, you get the door closed, but still have yeah. airflow. I think about like, there's an expression from an old movie of the transom of your mind. So I think about, I just let that anxiety, I notice it or that, what does this person think of me? I let that thought go out through the transom of my mind and I don't hold on to that thought. And you learn that through mindfulness of I'm thinking, I'm not paying attention to my breath. I'm just going to notice that I'm thinking and I'm going to let that thought go or I'm having a feeling. I'm going to notice it. I'm not going to judge it. I'm just going to say, oh, I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling anticipation. I'm just going to let that thought go hmm. turn to the breath. And it's the same way in relationships where I'm noticing, oh, I'm feeling anxious that maybe I've offended you. Take a breath. Oh, I know what that is. Now I have a choice. I can ask a calm question rather than gear up for something or like withdraw because now I'm embarrassed that I've said something stupid. Yeah. I love that illustration of the transom of the mind. For those who have been like me and have no connection to their body and might be listening to this, Sure. How do you know that what I'm feeling is anxiety? How, okay, I'm feeling something. How do I actually identify it? You find a friend. You reminded me of a story, uh, again, if, if with my husband, a friend of ours called him just out of the blue a couple of years ago. And he was like, this friend was like, dead, something happened. I'm having a feeling. <laughs> and, and I don't know if I to you. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like in his 50s, right? But somebody who's lived the life of the mind for a lot of his life. And so it, I think one way to do it is to find a friend and say, this is going on for me. Can I talk to you about it? Mm -hmm. Can I tell you what I'm feeling in my body? You know, Find a wise friend, obviously, who can help you name it. I think for a lot of us, we we didn't have an adult caregiver when they were kids to say, oh, you're so happy. It makes me happy to see you happy. Look at the joy in your face. Or, honey, you're scared. Come here, let me hold you. Mm. I know you're scared, but you're safe. So some people have adults in their world who named their emotions for them. A lot of people don't. And so they grow up to be adults and they, they don't have the words for it. Mm. One of the things we do is we'll often give people a, a list of, of emotion words and there's like five main emotions and we have them in the list from like mild to extreme just to give people a sense of okay here's a word that fits my experience but it takes that time of reflecting oh i love this so much oh my goodness i'm so excited i don't want to get too far away from your initial through line of oh help 
like thinking back to what you were just talking about with the oh help moment, like what are helpful tools? Mm -hmm. What are like the auxiliaries around this moment? So the first thing that comes to mind joy is, well, it depends on the culture that the person has grown up in. If it's someone who's grown up in like standard white American culture where I need to be independent, I need to stand on my own two feet, I should be able to do this by myself. For that kind of person, I think the first thing to try to let into their heart is you were not made to do life by yourself. And so that oh help moment is that moment when your body is saying, I feel alone and that's scary. I need my person. Hmm. And that is a normal human reaction. It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you're broken. It means you're human. I think that's where I would start. So say this uh, person who sounds a lot like me, say this person is wanting to be more curious and say, okay, Gretchen, what are you talking about? All of the data to this point that I have gathered in my life yeah. leads to if I need somebody else, I that's the worst thing ever because I have to ask for help because that's a very vulnerable thing. Right. How do you begin creating uh, an environment of, of safety where that individual can start learning tolerance for those feelings? I love that word tolerance because that's what it is. We talk about the window of tolerance a lot. Some people start with a very small window of tolerance for difficult emotion. And so you, that's like the mindfulness comes in again. You just notice that. My window for vulnerability is very small. So then you, you maybe have your one person that you're willing to be vulnerable with. And that's okay. That's where you start. But there really is a choice of, am I going to risk vulnerability and risk being hurt or am I going to be alone? That's a lot to risk. It is a lot to risk. When a person's been hurt, it's a big risk. And so then... Again, it's just noticing. It's like hard things have happened and it's hard to trust and just being honest about that. The mm -hmm. thought of being vulnerable is really difficult. So I'm going to show you, my friend, this little tiny window of me. And I hope yeah. that. And if, if you're someone who I might be able to be more vulnerable with, you're going to be okay with this tiny little window. That's beautiful. Earlier you were talking about being able to just like name it and let it go. Mm. Can you tell me about the power that's behind being able to name something, like being able to acknowledge it? What happens when we are actually able to come to terms with what has been, especially in these, oh, help moments of like, I'm suddenly panicking. Oh, help. What, what does naming it do? I think the first thing that naming something does makes it smaller. Mm. Like if, if I were to say something and you turned away from me and I have that feeling in myself of like, <gasps> oh no, oh help, something, um, this is a new friendship, maybe she'll never call me again because I just hurt her feelings. And so I can name it to say that's, I'm concerned that I've hurt Joy. It's not, wow. I'm a terrible person. I'm never going to have another client again because this podcast shows me to be a complete idiot. 
So I, I can name it as it's this, not that it's small to hurt someone, I'm not saying that, but have I, have, does my emotion tell me this is global and I'm about to die and never have another friend? Or right. is it in this moment, I need to make a repair. If Joy is someone that I want to be friend with, she'll receive my attempt at repair. And then it's like, oh, then, then we're actually closer because we've made it through something difficult. That's beautiful and so complicated because especially for those of us who are conflict averse, when you move toward conflict, it feels like a separation of the relationship. And so learning how to, I think that goes back to like learning how to be aware of your personal, like, do you move towards, do you move away? Like this whole concept of mindfulness. I wish joy of 10 years ago would have known this. She's learned it now and she's better for it, but there's just, there's so much to this. Yeah. Can I say one thing that, came to mind as you were speaking. Absolutely. So it's common for people to think it's more better to be one who pursues when there's disconnection than to be one who withdraws. Mm. And I don't think that's helpful to think of it that way. I think it's helpful to think of they are both strategies mm. for managing distress in the relationship. One moves toward because of anxiety of like, are we okay? I want to hear, I need a sign from you that we're okay because then I can relax. Yeah. It's just a strategy to soothe my anxiety. A person who is more inclined to pull away, they are also managing distress, but they're managing by saying, I need to take a breath. I need to pull away. It's just a strategy. It's not better. I will say for someone who withdraws, it's helpful to say, I need to take a moment, but I'm coming back mm. because that helps the one who pursues to calm down. You know, like for me and Ted, for he actually went on a business trip for three days, which was horrible. But, and I wasn't even, oh, I see, he's upset. And I think it is, you know, so we're in this place. But for one who withdraws, if he had said, I am frustrated that you jumped in the way you did, but we're fine. We're solid. I'm going to go on this trip and I'm going to come back. You don't have to worry. That right. is really reassuring. That's beautiful. I'm not telling you don't withdraw. Don't hear that. The withdrawal is a strategy to manage your own distress, but if you can tell your person you're coming back, that helps them with their own distress. That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful and so helpful. Okay, final question. Sure. I mean, we've talked so much about so many things. Like, what's the? what do you wish people knew? What's the one big thing that if they hear nothing else that you wish people could hear today about the Ono? The Ono is a signal from your body that you want to pay attention to. Learn how to listen to your body. Yeah, you will make it through. Yeah, one way or another. You're going to learn something about you. You're going to learn something about the other person. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your nerd with me today. I feel all the warm fuzzies inside. Oh, yay. And where do you feel that? I know an interview is going really well when I feel my eyes tear up. Oh. And they are currently in moisture mode. And it's like, I just, I feel warmth and I feel lightness. In, in the middle of my chest. In the middle of your chest. You're pointing at your chest, so I see. And it makes me so happy. That's what connection feels like. God, I love it so much. And you're wired to want that just like me. Well, shucks. Well, shucks. Thank Thanks. you for sharing connection with me today. You're welcome. Thanks for this conversation. It's lovely to see just a little bit more of you. So here we are. I absolutely loved having this conversation with Gretchen. 
It put words to a feeling that I've had before that I didn't know how to name. And even titling it the Oh Help moment gives it a structure that makes it more identifiable, which then, as Gretchen talked about, helps us let loose those thoughts through our mental transom windows. It's such a beautiful and poignant illustration. Thank you so much for sharing your nerd with us, Gretchen. All right, this is the point that you've known is coming for the entirety of this episode. Every week, I ask you to email me at herewearethepodcast at gmail.com and tell me all about how you nerd out. And guys, I want you to know I really mean it. I love taking time to sit with other humans and make space for their nerd to be celebrated. But if you happen to be like, but wait, I don't know if I nerd out about anything. Take a scroll back through the Here We Are podcast feed and look at the beauty of diverse topics. Really, I'm looking to talk about the things that make your eyes light up because that's a beautiful part of your inner nerd. If you really like this podcast and want to financially support what I'm doing, head on over to patreon.com, search for Here We Are, the podcast, and sign up for one of the many, many beautifully and sassily written support tiers that I'm really proud of. Even if you don't contribute, just go over to patreon.com and read them because I'm really, really, really proud of them. I don't know if you can tell that or not. But until next time, don't forget that curiosity wins and the world needs more nerds. Bye.